0: Welcome to the WOSO Digital Podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie Fasulo, and these are the stories of the women inspiring the next generation of footballers. My guest on this episode of WOSO Digital is Portland Thorns forward Simone Charlie, and we talk about going from being a practice player to a key player for the Thorns, what's better in Australia, social justice, Mimi's Fresh Teas, and more. So thank you so much, Simone, for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. And we'll just take it back to your last year at Vanderbilt where you were not only playing soccer, but doing track and field as well. So just doing it all. But then the 2018 NWSL draft was approaching and you entered your name. Can you just walk me through on draft day where you were, what were you doing, and how you were feeling as each round was passing and your name hadn't been called yet? Yeah.
1: Um, So I was very nervous. Um, (laughs) I remember I was actually in class during the draft. And so me and my best friend, Lydia, she was uh, in the draft too. She retired a couple of years ago, but we were both in class, kind of in the back of the classroom, watching the draft on mute, (laughs) just kind of like nervously waiting there and just like watching the rounds go by and like looking at each other and like trying to be calm and try to pretend pay
0: attention in class, but like like watching what's going down. That's funny that you're in class. Um, that's a good excuse, though, to be on your computer, not doing class work, I would say. And then so <laughs> a few days later, you got the call to be a Portland Thorns practice player. Can you kind of just talk about that call and what was going through your head um, after you got that call? Yeah. Um, so I guess
1: back to the draft. So me and Lid were watching it and we just kind of like went through and, you know, our names were not called. Um, shortly after I got a call from a different team and they were just kind of like hey you can come in and try out um but we can't like guarantee you anything but like you can come and we want you to try out and i was like okay cool guess i'm there then and then a couple of days later um i was actually in class in the exact same class <laughs> and i had um emailed my or i had texted my coach because i was like hey that team would reach out to me like they haven't responded to my email. Like, do I email them again? Like, what am I supposed to do? And I get a text from Darren and it was in like all caps. And it was like, call me right now. (laughs) I was like, okay. So I leave class, um, called Darren and he was just kind of like, okay, I got off the phone with Mark Parsons from the Portland thorns. Um, they're interested in like having you come out there and train with them and stuff like that. Um, but he's like, I put in a really good word for you. Like, don't mess it up. I was just like, cool. Thanks, Darren. <laughs> and after that, then literally like five minutes later, Mark calls me and it was just kind of like, Hey, like we saw a film and everything and yeah, we're interested. Um, you can come out here to Portland and try out and, we can kind of see what goes on from there. And so, yeah, that's kind of how it all happened around a couple of days after the draft.
0: And I would say that you definitely didn't mess it up. Um, but so you get out to <laughs> Portland and then you're obviously a practice player, but had to find another way to also get income. And you are also finishing up your master's degree. Can you kind of just talk about how, what you did for income, but also balancing like working, being a practice player and then doing your master's degree all at the same time? Yeah, um, that was definitely challenging, I would
1: say. Um, so yeah, going back to that come preseason, train all that and ended up Well, preseason was my tryout, and I ended up not making it my first time. And so that's kind of what led to me being a practice player for a year. And it was definitely humbling for me, like having to work any odd job, you can think of, I probably didn't. <laughs> Um I worked at the front desk at a local gym. I did tutoring. Um what else did I do? I coached soccer and track. Um I also did food delivery for a while. I actually ended up having to deliver to one of my friends. It was really awkward. <laughs> I was like, but well, please. <laughs> <I> was like, <laughs> Yeah. So I was doing a lot of different things, just like working any type of job I could to just try and make income and have enough for groceries essentially. So, yeah,
0: yeah, definitely a lot of odd jobs, but I think that's important to talk about. And maybe something people don't always realize is that players sometimes have to find other jobs, whether it's a practice player or even players who have contracts work other jobs in the off season sometimes, depending on the situation. Then, what was the hardest part about being a practice player, and did you have a timeline? where if you didn't sign a contract with the Thorns by a certain time, you would either look for options to go play somewhere else or just drop soccer as a whole and just try and find a job with something that you got your degree in?
1: So the hardest part, I would just say, was just realizing that, like, progress doesn't always come tomorrow. Like, I feel like for me, just – um going there and training and i'd have to like i would stay after training like every day and get extra touches and train an extra hour and all these these things and it's like you would i kept thinking in my head okay tomorrow is the day that like it all comes together and i'm gonna kill it and it's gonna be great and that's how it's gonna work and like that's that's not it at all (laughs) it's like i would go i would practice and it'd be tedious and boring and all these things and then I come to training and it's like hmm still suck today what is this <laughs> <laughs> like you know and I think just realizing that the, it, it takes a lot and the culmination of everything it's like you won't see the results overnight and you might not see it over a month or two months or in my case a year and a half and I think, <laughs> I think just for me just like figuring out that like it's the culmination and the all of it coming together, and you continuing to work hard over an extended period of time, that's when you start seeing results. It's not just an overnight thing um, so I think for me, that was definitely one of the most challenging parts. Um, I would say timeline wise, if I had one in my head, I would say I didn't necessarily have a timeline in my head because for me, it was like being a professional soccer player has been a goal of mine since. I started playing soccer when I was five. And so for me, it was just, how am I going to get there? And I even remember, like, after my a couple of training sessions here in Portland, and it was really hard. And I called my parents and I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. (laughs) Like, I don't know if I can do this. And I remember my dad um, was just like very stern. And he was like, okay, then don't do it. Quit, come back home. And you can yeah, like literally just start working and use use your master's degree and all that. And I was just like, hmm, actually, <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that quite <laughs> yet. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think for me it wasn't necessarily like, okay, if you don't like make it by this time or um get a contract by this time, then you're gonna quit and do something else. Because in my head, that's something I've always wanted to do.
0: And then in May of 2019, all of the hard work kind of did, or did pay off, and you got your first professional contract, you signed it, what was that moment like, and then what was the first thing you did after signing it? (laughs) Yeah, Um, it was amazing. I feel like, I remember, so
1: we, at the end of preseason, you have, like, your end of the preseason meeting with the coaches, and that was just kind of, like, D day for me, like, I find out it it either happened or it didn't happen. And I remember being so nervous going into the meeting. I like called my sister before and was like Nicole, like this is it, <laughs> like this <laughs> determines my future, like all of that. Um, so I go in the office and Mark and Rich are in there, and they're just like, yeah. So we were actually like impressed with your preseason, whatever, and end up offering me a contract and. I remember I was, like, are oh, you trying to play it cool thing? <laughs> um, I came face on, so I was, like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, like, on the I'm, like, freaking <laughs> out. I'm, like, oh, yeah.
0: snap, like,
1: this is real, <laughs> and so, like, I, I, I kept a good game face on. I felt, like, in the meeting, it was just, like, super chill and calm, but then, like, right after I literally like left the building, <laughs> like immediately. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the first thing I did was literally just like drop to my knees and was just like, thank you, Lord, because like literally like it's like God's grace that even like yeah. got me through <laughs> that whole year of just like having to train and um not knowing if I'd make it and working a whole bunch of jobs and doing my master's program and all of that. And um, just, yeah, it was God's grace that I was even able to make the team. And so I think that was the first thing I did. And then of course I had to call my parents and like <laughs> tell them and call my siblings, there was a lot of phone calls that day, a lot of like <laughs> freaking out. And yeah, that was, that was it.
0: No, yeah, that's awesome. And I can't even imagine, like, like you said, a year and a half of a practice player and then it all pays off. So that's awesome. And then not only that, you went on to play 11 games that season for Portland and made an impact. How do you think you were able to make the most out of the opportunities that you were getting?
1: Yeah, Um, it was definitely cool. I definitely enjoyed my first season in Portland. It was definitely different because, you know, just like being a practice player and you're just training for a year. There's not really you don't have any games. And so that was Definitely an adjustment. Like I hadn't played a game in since the end of the what 2017 soccer season, and it's now 2019. So I was like, "How do I do this again?" Um, so yeah, that was definitely an adjustment. But it was cool. I think just being able to figure out like how to be yourself on the field and to bring your qualities to the game, and to finally kind of put into action the things that I've been working on. Uh, for the past year. Um, It was definitely a really cool opportunity. And I think also with the the World Cup was that year. And so that also provided a lot of opportunity to get more minutes and play and kind of grow into the game. And so I definitely enjoyed my first season. It was a good challenge for me.
0: And then what went through your head the first time you stepped on the field when you made your pro debut? Yeah.
1: I have two stories actually for that. I think of my, first, so my very first game we played in New Jersey and I remember I like walked in, oh, I was so nervous and I walked in and I saw my jersey there and it had my name on it. And <laughs> I know that's such a small thing but for me that was just like monumental because for a year, I've been, you walk in the locker room before games and stuff. And like, everyone has their Jersey and everything, but like, obviously you don't have a Jersey and you're watching the games and stuff. And I think for me, just like being able to walk into the locker room and I'm like, this is a Jersey. And it says Charlie on it. (laughs)
0: Like Like you realize you like finally made it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so I think for me, that was um, just a special moment. And it was definitely nerve-wracking, um, but I enjoyed it. It was very cool. Um, definitely a lot of nerves, but it was, <laughs>
0: yeah. You finish up the 2019 season. Unfortunately, you guys lost in the semifinals of the playoffs, but then you head to Australia to play there. What kind of went into that decision to go there, and then how were you able to grow while you were there?
1: Yeah, so... I went to Australia just because I wanted to, you know, get some more minutes, get some more games under my belt, and also just um, get more experience on the tactical side of the game. I felt like, you know, after training and all of that, you kind of get used to, well, the technical side is something that you can work on, but the tactical side is something you can only get with minutes. And so I think for me, that was a big reason as to why I went and um, just also growing in confidence you know the more you play then the more confidence you get and you get to understand or as you understand the game better you're um yeah able to just grow in the game so yeah
0: and then you made an impact on the field there but also off the field you were able to win the supporters player of the year for the club you were playing for what did that mean to you to be able to win that and just can you explain to people that don't know what that is
1: yeah so supporters Player of the Year is picked by the fans um and that was very special to me. Canberra has such a great fan base, and for me to go there and be able to make an impact like that, I think was something that was very special, but I want to mostly just thank my teammates because our team everyone was so just like supportive and like wants to see everyone succeed and all of that and so I think it's more of a culmination of just how much my teammates supported me and how much they helped me grow so that was definitely something that was special to me
0: yeah and that's nice that, like obviously you said your teammates helped you grow and more supportive and you're obviously over in a new country and things like that so to have a good support system yeah. with brand new people is great and then so obviously you're in a brand new country what was one thing you liked better in Australia and then what did you miss most about America
1: <laughs> yeah oh what did I like the food in Australia, <laughs> y'all, it's, it's so good. I think just since like everything is like, like most of the major cities are around the coast. And so like seafood and all of that, like everything is so fresh. And so I would say that was probably my favorite part.
0: <laughs> and then is it true that the coffee is better over there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> i always hear people say that
1: there's such a huge coffee culture too after training everyone be like okay let's go get a coffee or like let's go get co-. like people go to coffee like twice a day easily so yeah <laughs> um but i would say the thing i miss most about the us would probably just be my family honestly um that was my first time spending the holidays not with my family so i didn't have well, I got to explain to my teammates what Thanksgiving is and try and like have a makeshift Thanksgiving. Um, and then just like celebrating Christmas and New Year's. That was the first time I wasn't with my family. So that was definitely the biggest thing I missed.
0: Oh, yeah. See, I haven't experienced that yet. So mm. hopefully not anytime soon, but we'll yeah. see. <laughs> um, and then you come back to America and then a week later, basically, the whole entire world goes on lockdown because of COVID. <laughs> yes. How are you able to keep yourself motivated to train since no one knew if there would even be a season and if there was when that was going to be?
1: Yeah. Um. So it's actually crazy because I was coming back from an injury. So I got injured at the like the very end of my season in the W League. And so I was doing rehab most of that time. And so it was crazy because the timing actually ended up being like the exact amount of time I needed for rehab. So it ended up (laughs) working out well in that way. Um, I guess that's like a silver lining. Um, But I think for me, just like the motivation of like getting back on the field and like being able to play again um, is kind of what kept me motivated throughout quarantine.
0: That's good that you were able to have extra time to come back from injury and be ready right in time for the Challenge Cup. And so you guys all head to Utah. What was bubble life like and how did you keep yourself entertained?
1: Yeah. Um, So bubble life, it's literally eat, sleep, breathe, drink, soccer. (laughs) That's (laughs) like it. All we do, yeah. It was just like you go to the field and you come back and that's about it. Um, It was pretty strict. Like we didn't have any really... Any contact with other teams, um, you're just pretty much isolated with your own team. But it was actually kind of cool because I feel like we were able to bond in a way that we hadn't before because we're all living together like for a month and like can only hang out with each other and like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was cool. I got to play. I played a lot of card games. Um, there was a lot of Monopoly, Deal, Bananagrams, Dutch. Blitz, um speed like literally any card game would- did you win any of these card games <laughs> i am pretty great at monopoly deal i would like to. <laughs> that is my jam <laughs> and i actually learned while i was in australia that was like the game we play like all the time so i had my fair share of practice in preparation for the bubble
0: but yeah monopoly deal is my game <laughs> That's funny. And then um, another like, thing that will players and teams have been doing throughout most of 2020. But I feel like Challenge Cup really gave a spotlight to um, a platform for Black Lives Matter, just like, how are the thorns, which I thought the thorns did a really good job of throughout all of 2020, just using their platform to keep bringing awareness and continue the conversation. But how did you think that like, as a team, you were able to use the platform? of playing on national television and then just for you yourself, what it means for you now to have this platform with followers of different backgrounds and you can continue to shed light on what's going on in America right now.
1: Yeah. So I think after everything that has happened with George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, the list goes on and on. I think it was definitely important for us. Yeah. For us to, um, just to continue to talk about it. And especially during um, the Challenge Cup, you know, there weren't really any sports on television. And so for us, it was like, this is a great opportunity to um, shed light on racism, systemic racism, um, discrimination, all of police brutality, all of that. And so um, for us as a team, uh, we actually started having, I guess, you I guess you call them like race conversations weekly, and um, every week we'd get it, whether it's a podcast or an article or a book or something like that, and you'd have to read it or listen to it, and then on Sundays during recovery we would have those conversations and talk about the things people don't want to talk about, and so I think for us um, just kind of using the things that we had been talking about and discussing, um, being able to kind of put that on display a little bit during the challenge cup was something that was important to us. Um, And I thought it was pretty powerful that not just our team, but a lot of teams were able to be united in the message that uh, they were sending, whether that was kneeling during the anthem or kneeling when the whistle blew or wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts or for us, we wore um, shirts detailing Breonna Taylor's story, Um, I think was something that was very important and powerful. And Uh, hoping that we can continue to use our platform because the movement shouldn't be like something that was popular for a little bit and then it dies down but I think it's important that these conversations continue
0: no yeah and like you said because it seems like when there is like a protest and everyone wants to talk about it on social media for two weeks and then when no one else is posting about it everyone kind of stops posting about it and I think like especially like white people have to do better about Continuing, I know people don't want to have the conversation, but continuing it to have it and just be an ally every day and not just when it's like a popular thing to be doing on Twitter or Instagram because it takes it's going to take all of us and especially white people to be able to make changes in the country and Then keeping on that subject, but moving to the fall series so NWSL was doing the Verizon Community Shield and whoever won got the $25,000 to give to the local business of their choice. So you guys actually won it and you gave it to Mimi's Fresh Tees, who is a social justice t shirt company, which is also woman owned. What did it how did the decision come to choose them as the, who you were gonna play for? And then what did it mean to not only play for them, but then actually win them the twenty five thousand?
1: Yeah. So we like in the process of choosing them, uh, so we kind of formed a little like committee task force essentially to once we found out about the Verizon Community Shield uh, to figure out uh, what company or nonprofit we wanted to donate the money to. And so for us, we were given like a list of a lot of great nonprofits and businesses in Portland. Um, but for us, what kind of stood out about Mimi's Fresh Cheese was. The owner, Camila Adams, in her story. Um, so she's born and raised in Northeast Portland, and she wanted to start this company because her two of her, or both of her kids were experiencing racism and uh, microaggressions and things in school. And so for her, she was just like, I want to do something about it. And so that's what inspired her to start Mimi's Fresh Teas. Um, Because she wanted to keep the race conversations going. And she wanted people to have these hard conversations and confront racism internally and externally. And so I just feel like for us, it was pretty powerful that, you know, just an everyday person wanted to make a difference. And so for us, it ended up being kind of a no-brainer. We we're like, oh yeah, nah, we like this. <laughs> um, and then once we were able to narrow it down to Mimi's Fresh Cheese, I think that was definitely something that motivated us and inspired us because we were just like, um, we now have a face to put play for and a name to play for. It's like we're not just playing in the fall series just to play in the fall series. It's like, no, we have a company that we believe in and that we support. And to be able to win that for her and win that for her company was just an amazing feeling. And um, they're just very excited to give back to something that we believe in.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And I had read that story on her website and she has a lot of great stuff out. So anyone listening to this should check out her website. And I will put the link to the website in the Instagram um, post that is for this segment. And then you kind of mentioned like you guys were the first professionally back yet. All of a sudden, when it was July and the MLS and the NBA and the MLB were coming back, ESPN, Bleacher Report, other places were tweeting out like, oh, sports are back. As a player, what is that kind of like where you're like, okay, well, we've been back and we're doing this bubble successfully?
1: Yeah, it's frustrating, but I honestly wasn't that surprised. Um, But I think something that's important to note was just how – you know the nwsl's viewership was up 493 <laughs> percent. and yeah. while so many leagues who were bragging about being back and all of that it's like you know a lot of people struggled during covid and yeah. I, I think for us to have such high viewership during this time just goes to show due to uh great sponsorships by like verizon and cbs and so many different companies it's like if you invest in women's sports then you get a return on your investment and so i think um for us to have that kind of success even when it was challenging for other leagues just kind of shows the value in women's sports yeah like if
0: you put it on tv people are gonna watch i feel like it was the same for the WNBA; like their viewership had gone up and they gained fans because it was actually being put on tv and not behind a paywall um exactly. yeah that's all it. T- that's all it takes I mean you guys in WSL we broke <laughs> like count like several viewership records in between challenge cup and fall series so yeah maybe I don't know one day people might get it but um <laughs> we'll see and then what kind of wrapping up like your hopes and goals moving forward whether it's like 2021 or down the road just in terms of your career and what you hope to achieve
1: yeah um well hoping for 2021 to have a season (laughs) (laughs) versus season and then maybe season with fans in a healthy manner
0: (laughs) especially because you guys i would say i mean i'll even say it as a courage fan probably have the best um supporter so i can't (laughs) imagine like what it's like to even play in y'all stadium (laughs) yeah
1: no it's definitely different with nobody there that's for sure and hoping that that can change, um, but safely, of course. Um, but yeah, I would say for me, it's just about continuing to grow as a player and a person and just kind of seeing where soccer takes me through that.
0: And then last one, what would be your advice for someone who might go undrafted in the future?
1: Yeah, I would say similar to what I said earlier, like progress doesn't come tomorrow and, or won't always come tomorrow, but that doesn't mean it won't come. And I think a lot of times for people, at least who were in my position, who um, was who had to be a practice player for a year, I think continuing to work hard, even when you don't see the results and continuing to be encouraged, even when you don't see the results, I think is something that um, if you know that ahead of time, then it makes the journey a little easier. <laughs> and so, Yeah, I would say just continuing to work hard regardless of what it looks like because you can get there.
0: That was great advice and thank you so much for joining me. It was a pleasure being able to get to talk to you.
1: Yeah, of course. You as well. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. You can subscribe to wherever you get your podcast, and also make sure to follow us on social media at WOSO Digital for more women's football content.